0: Labels podcast. Our vision is workplaces where people can be themselves, feel valued, and fulfill their potential. We're on a mission to awaken people to see beyond their labels, be comfortable being themselves, and help them accept others. Listen together as a team and make these conversations part of your monthly staff meetings. Now, enjoy this episode.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to Unlearning Labels. Uh, Today we'll be discussing unlearning the definition of work. It's a new paradigm after COVID. So, Peter and Mira. Hey. Well, great to see you once again. (laughs) (laughs) I know. We got to do this in person one day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be great. Uh, We are actually,
2: this weekend, we are recording podcasts live with with the audience for first time after COVID. Yeah, so we waited over see. two
0: years, so we can definitely uh, at one point come to you or you can visit Europe, so yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Stop warring over each other, then maybe I will.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would help,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know I'll be safe. Yeah. but um, <laughs> So let's just dive right in. I know we've been exchanging some articles, you know, the past couple of days about what it looks like Um, post-COVID there in Europe and over here in North America. So what are you seeing there, Peter? Ah,
0: Well, articles aside, uh, just conversations we've had with our clients recently, um, one in particular, because they get curious about how management suddenly said one thing, but then they seem to have meant something else. So it required clarity. And I see this quite often. So there could be some innocence in there. And there could be that, you know, like all of us, uh, if I think back when I was in a management role, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's (laughs) difficult when you communicate because someone's always going to say, oh, Peter, you weren't clear, et cetera, et cetera. But what I noticed is that companies were saying, yeah, we want to be flexible because let's be honest, they're under pressure to be flexible right now. You know, we could offer a hybrid model if you're you know, if they're lucky enough to be able to have that flexibility. But what we found is that, you know, they are creating this fear of missing out because they're saying one thing and saying, you know, you don't have to come to the office all the time. If you can make it in, we appreciate it. But what we're seeing from certain leaders, and I don't know if it's just the leadership team or certain leaders are going against the grain and doing whatever they want, but they're telling their direct reports that, you know, if you don't come in, you're probably going to be passed over for promotion. You're going to miss out on projects. You know, you won't be valued and <laughs> all of this stuff.
1: But I mean, like, is that even legal <laughs> to do that? You know wow. what I mean? Like, have they already changed the policies? Yeah. And um, do you, I, I think that sounds like a lot stronger than FOMO, right, Nira? Well,
2: Mira? <laughs> well I, I don't, it is. I, I think there is, lo- I think people are actually not thinking a lot about the impact that it has on on employees, Uh and you know, the world has changed. The way of working has changed, and, and and any change is uncomfortable and brings in some uncertainty. And and you would think, you know, we learned how to deal with uncertainty over to these two years. But yeah, we're still humans. Um, the uh, and I think that that fear actually gets uh, shared uh, with, with messages like this. And and I and I. Uh, um, and I think that's it. And That's it. It's, it's, uh, it may be stronger, it may be, you know, it depends, depends. Maybe in some teams it's really the fear, their own fear that gets transferred. Um, because they think, you know, if we tell people they don't have to come to the office, they will never do that, so we need to kind of scare them a little bit in coming in. Uh, but in some cases it's probably a way of control, because I think there was there is this idea that the management has lost the control a lot over you know people not being in the office, and so I think one of the questions we can ask ourselves what is more important to you results or the or control right you know and so I think that stronger thing that you're mentioning that you're referring to, I see it maybe as this need to control that again comes from fear that it's probably a little bit stronger or.
0: And you know what, I think certain individuals in companies, you know, in leadership roles have actually forgotten that, you know, it was always, you can't do that. You know, the flexibility wasn't possible pre-COVID, but the the lids kind of come off Pandora's box. So companies really do need to stay flexible. And that's what we're seeing. And yeah, I think you're right, Mira, that it kind of leads to fear and being uncomfortable and that vulnerability of, you know, can I trust my people to do a great job? But the, the, the... The actual gentle pushback from my side would be that, you know, in order to to trust your people, you need to let them get on with it and do what they're good at. So, you know, trying to control them and bringing them in when, for example, that could be implications on not seeing the family, you know, especially if there's a commute. Some of our colleagues are now having to commute to other cities and paying for extra travel. And they weren't used to that i know that that was the the old paradigm that you know me included in the past i used to commute to certain jobs you know and it was accepted but you know this new norm or whatever the hell you want to call it after covid it's actually reset the clock on that right Mm.
1: but i'm wondering like where's the research like where's the data that proves that people are more productive in the office Mm-hmm. I mean, were the companies collecting that information or this is just like just yeah. coming from the top? We need to go back to the way things were kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's
0: a good point. I don't believe it's data driven or at least I haven't seen anything at the moment. I, I really just hear that, you know, the only thing that I would say I would agree that if if you're lucky enough to as a company to, to be able to have an office still, and offer the flexibility of some kind of hybrid model, then actually if I was, you know, put myself in their shoes, I would want to have some days in the office. Because l- let's be honest, some people have been isolated during the last 27 months and obviously are yeah. desperate to get in the office and speak to adults, especially if you're a parent, right? And <laughs> speak to a few clients that are like, well, I love my kids to bits, but sometimes I just want to see another adult, you know? <laughs> but yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, that's a choice, you know? And if you can offer that choice as an employer... That's next level employment, you know, because that's what I can see we're all seeing. And Cordelia, I was going to ask you, so in the US, we've heard about this new, sorry, this great migration, you know, over the last year or so. And is that leading to people being cut off from having that kind of flexibility, do you
1: think? I think that's the the main driver, you know, um, for the most part, a lot of people realize that their quality of life wasn't as great as they thought it was, you know, Mm -hmm. and the, just having the flexibility to be with the family more is better. And I mean, what we're seeing over here in the U.S. is more companies willing to experiment with the hybrid option, just, I mean, but this is like employee driven because people are just like, oh, you're going to make me do what? And, you know, and then they decide that they don't want to, um, to keep that job. They just quit. Mm -hmm. But there are many other companies that are willing to try the hybrid uh, model. You know, there are some, you know, a lot of the like uh, Capital One Bank and, you know, Google and those bigger companies, they have always been willing to try. And then, you know, it also helps that we have some research organizations that have asked some companies, you know, would you be willing to do this as a six month experiment so we can study you, Mm. you know? But, you know, over here in the United States, people are very individualistic. So, you know, they're just like, no, I'm not gonna play that role anymore.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. Uh, I think we've showed, uh, just, a, just a second before we continue. I see the comment from Stefan. That he sees picture yeah. but doesn't hear sound. But nobody so. else commented, so I don't know if that's.
0: Uh, Hope you get it sorted, Stefan. It'd be great for you to join us.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Is it from our side or from. No, there's sound. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm- okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. It was a little (laughs) check-in.
1: Yeah, (laughs) a little tech check. I just want to go Um, back
0: to, you know, what we were saying about, you know, trust and results, because correct me if I'm wrong, right, when, or at least from my limited experience being a leader, so when I built trust and developed a relationship with my team, the results would speak for themselves, and I was able to then offer flexibility. I didn't need to micromanage or stand over the shoulder, right? And that's what I'm seeing. I mean, it might not be micromanaging, but it's that fear of, oh, if if we don't see people physically, then maybe they're not doing what they should be doing and and this whole Question of, you know, being productive and all of that. But what I see, and again, it depends on the role. It can be role specific I get that. But if your role is not just factory orientated task after task, a lot of the time it requires downtime and creativity and reflection to then have short focus bursts of time to get the job done. And that's been our experience, right? And with our clients, once they got clear like that, they were super productive in short bursts of time. And then they would reflect, take a break. And actually the employees that we've seen have built high trust would say, look, you know, we don't mind if you take your son to the dentist in the middle of the day, as long as you know the etiquette you let us know, you're not missing meetings, etc. And there's that tran- transparency in the team and you know, give and take. And if that's applied across the board are monitored and companies can measure that, I would say that's going to bring you really greater results in the future versus forcing someone on a shift to log in and be physically watching them. Uh, okay, we won't go into what we talked about before, you know, all the covert monitoring tools and stuff like that. But I would right. answer the guess that that never yields great results because if I sit on my backside for 12 hours, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be productive in those full 12 hours throughout that day.
1: So I'm wondering in that model, like, that's the way people's, you know, that's, that's the way they work energetically anyway, right? We're not static, like for eight hours or nine hours, we can't just be on, you know, Mm -hmm. so, uh, but are they still required to work a full eight hours? Like, even if there's like two hours here, three hours there kind of thing.
2: Well, I think this is the, this is the, um, I think this is, you know, when we were talking about this topic and 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 saying what really stops the change, what is the what is the break there, and and one of the things that we realized when we were talking about it was actually that there is this label of what work is, you know, mm-hmm. and and I think the the work environment and work has uh, has changed. Um, Uh, The idea has been taken from the factories, you know, in 19th century when it started and then moved. And then we kept on the same idea up until now. And now things have forcibly changed. Uh, And now there is a new, that's why we mentioned paradigm, that things, the way we see it, that, that actually what we think is work, what we think the word working means it actually isn't it's something else so I think in order for it to change more smoothly and to have different and and you know every company as, as Peter says as you said Cordelia every, every company has can have their own way of how they do things you know they can they can set their own rules and, and, and regulations uh, uh, and so it's interesting to me that what you said you know is it eight hours yeah. I think eight hours stands from that factory work. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have to be eight hours. It could be more, it could be less. One day it could be more, the other day it could be less. As long as you're not burning out. Maybe this is where some you know, rules and regulations need to be uh, uh, of, of that we are not overdoing things. But um, yeah. it's, it's the measuring results rather than how much time uh, did you spend working.
1: It's, it's always about the quality, right? Not the quantity. I like Stefan's comment. He has a, a good point there. How would you solve collaboration, innovation, and true social connections if you don't have any offices? I personally prefer hybrid not related to productivity. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the other thing I was thinking about. Cause you, are, you are doing this series on energy, right? Mm-hmm. So energetically like teams do tend to work better if they're in the same space. Um, Rather than you know being silos in different remote areas, so do you think that part of it comes from that, or are you or you think that it's you don't think it's genuinely?
0: Well, I mean, remember that we're talking about a new paradigm, and yet I get that. If I had a choice, I I agree with Stefan, if there is that flexibility and you're lucky enough as a company to be able to afford to have an office space that's not going to be 100% full all the time and allow people to work from whatever they want on the planet, then that's the sweet spot for me also. But what we've learned over the last, well, even before COVID is in our work is that, To collaborate, you really just need to get to know your team. You need to build trust and keep building it and keep checking in. In fact, Stefan and I were talking about this uh, many months ago about, you know, we kept getting this question asked about, you know, how do we create this safe space and how do I check in with a team and make sure that they're cared for? Then it's just give them the gift of your time. You know, and this is what leaders sometimes missed. You know, they were panicking, saying, let's buy all these tools and make it about technology, when it's actually just going back to basics and just saying, right, okay, I can't see you all the time, which is challenging. How do you feel about it? What's going to be best for us to develop our relationship and for you to feel safe and supported and do your best work. Mm. And in terms of creativity and collaboration, I mean, we've got a client working with in June where they're doing a kickoff event. So they are fully remote and they're a company based in North America and all over Europe and maybe somewhere else. And their solution is to make sure that they invest in kickoff events and team building and to make sure that, you know, out of the nitty-gritty day-to-day that they get the team together as much as they can, within reason because of budget and, you know, everyone's work-life balance and stuff like that. But when they do that, the team get to look forward to a collaboration event and then they can really go to town on the areas of focus over the next, you know, quarter or six months or but, whatever but it may also, be. also,
2: I mean, look what we've done all this time during COVID. I mean... Peter and I started company when we lived in different countries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The idea came up and, and, you know, all of that. And I think it was actually quite e- much easier because we could actually spend lots of time fo- focused on conversations, not about doing stuff together, but actually, you know. Uh, we started this
1: podcast. We never physically met Yeah, we've met never been in other. the same room, right? <laughs> I know. I was just thinking that. I was like, well, like, we've never met <laughs> It's totally fine.
2: Yeah. So it's, 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 I think it also depends on people. And that's why the hybrid, you know, it's really listening to people and seeing what works for them. Some people, uh, prefer to work on their own bulks of times and finish stuff and then, and then share the ideas with others. And that can be done remotely and online. Some people like physically doing stuff and and so and then they prefer maybe going in the office and so i think it's all depends what is important is that you maintain the energy it's not important how because we are all different and i think this is where the old diversity comes in uh we all you know my my energy is different than peter's energy is different than your energy and so we if we have options to get together the way it it suits us to do the job at hand, uh, and that we can agree on these things. It's not like, you know, I told you this is how it needs to be. Then there is also lots of pushback. I I know I am like that. If you tell me that I need to do something or I have to do something, it usually is not so easy, even if I tell myself that I have to do something. (laughs) So it's... uh, it's, I think that's, it's, it's, the, it's the understanding and, and leaving options open to people. And if somebody doesn't want to work, then they don't want to work. It's nothing to do with whether they're in the office or sitting at home. It's the same thing. So, you know, I guess this is where management needs to assess these things. In a, So it's, it's the measuring, not time at work not when you log in when you log out but the measuring results
0: yeah it's always going to be about results and companies i mean you both mentioned it before it's this legacy of the old factory way of working and it really doesn't fit most of the modern ways of working you know going forward so we just need to be aware though that we are in like a we're approaching or already in a new paradigm, right? So for some, yeah. it's going to be uncomfortable, and it requires a bit of clunkiness, like any other change. It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for a time. So I totally understand how employees are struggling with it. You know, I've t- you know I can show compassion there because it's just going to take a bit of time to get used to it. But ultimately, all employers that do not develop trust. And that wiggle room, that flexibility, dare I say they might not be in operation, you know, in the future, because all of their top talent or their wonderful people will probably vote with the feet and go elsewhere, you know
2: yeah, and and people get, you know, you you've been told you came in and you've been told, you know it's it's flexible working, uh, you don't have to come to the office, blah, blah blah, you know, and and you came with this idea. And then suddenly somebody comes up and says, Uh, That's all true. However, if you don't come to the office, then there there will be consequences. Yeah,
0: you're invisible.
2: (laughs)
1: Right, you're going to have less pay.
2: Or or something, yeah, or you will be, you won't have the opportunity to. And so I think on companies is not to scare people, but to give them an opportunity to be equal. And this is how we build the energy up in teams. This is how we motivate people. This is how we... we, uh, uh, what was the word that I wanted to use? Um, th- this is how people get engaged when you give them the opportunity to be shown, seen, to do things together, regardless of where they are. You may have two people in the office and two people uh, online. You know, I've, we've even before COVID, Peter and I were on a uh, on a coaching training where some people were online and some people were in the in the. And, and everybody this, it, had the same yeah. exposure everybody had the same ability to ask questions and be in a groups and and so it's it's all possible it just takes a little bit of letting go of what we know mm. the label of work is to what it can be yeah
0: and actually I mean, sorry go on yeah
1: no i was just going to say i mean like from a uh, environmental and a budget a perspective i mean if you had like a smaller (laughs) office, right? Oh, is that where you were going? And then like the commuting, like people have to, uh, commute less, right? We're not Mm -hmm. burning the fossil fuels. Um, I know we're moving towards electric cars mostly, but still, you know, in the meantime, most Mm -hmm. of the world's using petrol, you know, so. Which is getting
2: increasingly expensive now. Yes.
1: And so it doesn't even matter how much money, like you'll get paid more money to come in the office Well, you're going to need it because mm. of the gas prices, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I like where you're going there because the environmental impact is now starting to get more mentioned. It's more in focus, no surprise, because if you look at the recent support, uh, sorry, recent reports in the media, we're way behind all of our goals in terms of targets to reduce emissions so it really makes no sense to keep opening these legacy offices you know this prestige you know shiny buildings and trying to force people in when we really should be cutting down on our energy usage and our footprint and all of that stuff and more crucially the younger generation are really sensitive to that you know it's a non-negotiable so if you're wanting to recruit young top talent But you've got a huge environmental footprint then that's really a conflict of interest for most people i would imagine Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i I mean again i don't know if you mentioned that already but but i think uh a lot of it kind of goes back to diversity and inclusion I, i don't know why but uh you know we marginalize people that prefer to work from home because we like to be in the office, you know, it's com- more comfortable for us. So I think, and so we are pushing everybody to fit into our model, into what's comfortable for us. So I think there is this, um, it's, it's not so much matter of uh, being, you know, it's it's not it's not possible for to have a good engagement if some people are in the office and some people aren't, or it's not you know we don't know what they're doing they're not being productive or whatever. I think it's more a question of um, of really us getting comfortable and seeing it as a as a diversity. Uh, issue or opportunity for more diversity and and inclusion rather than than pushing everybody to be like few people that like to be in the office.
1: So, you know, it's like, there's two things that come to my mind. I'm thinking like, did we just open up another label, like the remote (laughs) (laughs) workers, you know, (laughs) the hybrid workers, you know? Um, versus the in-office workers, you know what I mean?
0: That's That's well, it's like not... it was an M, isn't it? I mean, and this is what we want to avoid in the world of work because as you both pointed to, if you're marginalized and singled out for not, you know, David's had three days in the office and Emma has been in six days, so therefore Emma gets the gold star, it, you know, it's... <laughs> It's not going to work because that actually doesn't create a safe psychological space where, you know, to Stefan's point, where people are free to collaborate and do the best work and, you know, crucially get the results that everyone's aiming for, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. And and yeah, and then people that would prefer to be at home or, or come to the office from time to time, uh, they... Uh, they get forced to go back in and then we have issues of burnout, resentment, tiredness, low efficiency, uh, low productivity, low results. So, you know, I think it's possible to do it both.
0: And talking about data, I mean, at the start of COVID, I'm not going to say who the company or the employer is, but there was strong data to back it up after maybe eight months because they jumped the gun and tried to force most of their teams back to the office in various parts of Europe. And it totally backfired because it was too soon because of COVID rules and outbreaks and all of that. But that aside, as Mira pointed to, people just went on the sick. You know, when you force mm. a population into something that they don't want to do and they're not comfortable and they don't feel safe, they'll find a way to break through and do some, the opposite of what you actually want. And that's it. The more we try and control our employees, we get the total opposite. You know? And so it's less about control and it's more about being able as a leadership team, as a manager, even as an employee, you know, just being a good employee and with your peers. It's about being comfortable, trusting each other and developing that relationship and getting to know each other. I know I keep going on about this on a granular level because once I know you really well, and I've got to know you, you know, Cordelia, and we've never met in person, but I feel safe around you. um, I don't know if you feel safe around me, but, you know, we've been able to build something and collaborate over, you know, over a year now. So it is possible, but again, it really depends on what do you want. And another thing as well is we forget to usually check in with our teams and just say, what is it going to take for you to collaborate and get super creative and innovate and feel safe? You know, how often do you want me to check in and stuff like this? And when we ask for permission, we get answers back, we get data points, and then we can work with that, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like more about relationship building. And and I also hear you uh, blending in, like, Emotional intelligence, really, right? Because we have to be aware of the mental uh, health of the employees now. That's we have to care about their well-being. So that's, I guess, when we're unlearning the definition of work, you know, the the things that have to be integrated now is like we have humans in the office with emotions, you know, and lives. And their, you know, their choices on where and when and how they do their job, you know, um, being, you know, taken seriously is very important. You know, if they if they choose to work in the office or if they choose hybrid based on whatever. And I mean, not that they need to know, like, I've got an older you know, father in the nursing home and you know, they don't need to know the fine details but just be aware that, you know, this person's already coming into work and they're, they're dealing with something, mm-hmm. right? And whatever we can do to make them feel safe and uh, hold space for them while they're at work is important as well. So, and, and that, you know, the other flip side of that is to help them not Burnout or have any resentment towards the organization, and want to be there, you know, and want to be productive. Mm-hmm.
2: You, you know what really just crossed my mind as I was listening to you. Um, it, it's it's these things that we again. I'm going back to what we attach to work. I was talking to somebody some probably a month ago, uh, and 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 she said. And, and her job is actually to uh, communicate with people, to uh, build relationships, to bring people in. To She works for a research facility. And, uh, and her boss made a comment and said, uh, but you don't really work. You, you, most of the time you, you just meet people and speak to them. <laughs> so I, I think oh. there is this huge huge misunderstanding that building relationships with people speaking to them having conversations is actually not part of work
0: well it goes back to the label of the topic why we're talking today right that we have to redefine what work actually is work is reflection work is downtime because for example if you want to innovate and be creative as a team it has to, you know, you, you have to have that time for reflection and being stuck and hitting a brick wall and being frustrated. But that's actually good because it's all part of the creative flow, you know. Sometimes, you know, you, you say, I don't know. And then you sit with your team and then you go, okay, what do you think? And then it requires I'll come back to you. And then, you know, it, it's not about, I mean, how do you measure that, right? But for me, yeah. again, well, the answer to that is I measure the results. You know, if they've spent the month, you know, having meetings and trying to work stuff out or that, but it it, it physically, there hasn't been stuff down, you know, something that's not tangible. But then the tangible after that month of deliberation and going back and forth and all of that collaboration is the results where you've come up with a new novel product.
1: And I think this, you know, is also a little bit of an extension of like the, the, immature masculine that we see you know in the work environment where it's like you always have to do 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 mm. and what i'm hearing you talking about is more about being with what is being created and people don't give a lot of credit or esteem to that you know mm. Mm. And, and yeah
2: and, and that also again like i'm thinking it comes from the factory it's constantly doing and doing something uh, uh, so it needs. So it's th- that's really interesting to me that that actually, in order to change and to change sustainably, and, and you know, and, and change the work as it is, uh, the idea of work. I, I think we really need to go back and see what else we think work is and work isn't.
0: But yes. again, you know, having a conversation with your employees about that ex- very topic is super valuable. But I'm guessing there's a massive dose of fear in leadership teams like oh, we can't go and ask them what work really is, because then we can't leverage them, you know. But you know, when we spoke to one particular amazing leader, he said, I, I'm a, you know, CEO of a tech company, but actually my shiny tech isn't so much the technology, it's my people. And if I don't look after them and make sure that, as you pointed to before, Cody, that the mental health's right? You know, there's no high sickness, or if there is, you know, what's driving that? If I'm not looking at all of this stuff, then therefore I'm not going to have a company in the future. You know, it's not just about the product or all the tech itself. It's the people. And if we don't value that as a, you know, the most amazing resource, then that's where I dare say companies are going wrong. And that's what we've seen, right, that the wheels come off because people... Don't feel safe. They get sick, and then look at all of that waste. You know, we talk about cost—the cost of mental health not being addressed, the cost of it and, marginalizing and ignoring your team. You know, it, it's it's a massive amount, and the data there if people are willing to look at it. Mm. I mean, by the way, for you know, thank you for listening to this. If if you're more curious, we will put all of the links, I guess, to the research, right—the stuff that we looked into before we made this episode. So. Yeah, if you if you're curious, <laughs> then just look at the show notes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So.
2: But so, so yeah, but what else do you think, Cordelia? Is is the outdated label of work in your like from what you see?
1: Um, it's what am I? What do I see as the outdated mm-hmm. version of work? The outdated version is. You know, you have to come in, clock in nine to five, clock out um, and, you know, sit and stare at people, screens, whatever, you know, and be in the doing. I think the newer model is um, one of being, creating safety, you know, really creating um, an environment of creativity. Because that ultimately is what it is. Um, you're creating at work. How do you change the definition of work in professions where you need to be at work? Nurses, hotels, okay?
2: Well, there is there is a different. Uh, there is a totally. This is where we need to physically be there. But I think what we could do is mer- make their life easier.
0: Well, actually, we have a client where they're talking about exactly that, that care workers, for example, if you look at the amazing job that they do, and dare I say they don't ever, nurses, they don't get paid enough, in my opinion, right? It's looking yeah. at, you know, what's their mental health like? Do they get, as paid time, downtime to deal with the trauma and the high oh, yeah. stress? And the answer... I- right now is i think this
1: no. this is a big deal like i know a lot of people who are nurses and like self care is really a problem so i i would say you know stefan in that case definitely for nurses and probably even for people that are in hospitality for sure yeah,
2: because they're that, the front end no?
1: yeah part of their day like part of their day must require especially like for a nurse that was just dealing with someone that you know maybe had a uh, you know, some traumatic thing happen. She is required to take an hour break for you know meditation. You know, mm. getting some fresh air, um, eating food, or something like this. Because otherwise, she's just carrying that into the next patient. And how can she possibly take good care of another patient? And then patient? she
2: takes it home. And so it's yeah. And mm. I think think that would be a good you know. How can and again, it it requires the conversation in 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 hospitals with nurses with doctors i mean do you know i mean i i found this fascinating i've read it in uh, a few years ago um you know that especially in america this is a big thing where the the residents in the hospitals the doctors are required to work insane hours because this is how they used to get working in hard conditions like this is uh, <laughs> b- building their uh, stamina. Stamina. Yeah, but the person that came up with that
1: uh, was a cokehead. Really, yes. that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and see, I told you it was the immature masculine.
0: <laughs> and to people, to, to people watching, listen. Just yeah, So when was, you say cocaine, what do you mean?
1: Yeah, he was he was
2: using coke as a stimulant. Cocaine. I mean. Cocaine. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, not Coca Cola. <laughs> uh, uh, as a, as a, as a stimulant, so that he could work insane hours, and uh, and that's then later on adapted into training. And into, and we know this, you know, there's a, there's a, there's data about it. It it was, I read it in, in actually a book that was based on a
1: research and we're still doing it. I mean, but see that this is why a lot of, uh, doctors are, um, that's a whole different podcast, but they're strung (laughs) out on (laughs) prescription drugs, you know, uh, yeah. Are you sure it was cocaine? It wasn't like something that they could have gotten out of the medicine cabinet? No, no,
2: no. This this was at the time. This was at the time when cocaine was used in medicine. Oh, okay. So this wasn't recent. Hmm. This was like yeah. 100, 150 oh. years ago when oh, cocaine okay. was readily available to certain classes. Uh, but yeah. And it was used in medicine a lot at the time, I think. I don't know what for, yeah. but yeah, it was.
0: I'm pointing back to these wonderful people who were on the front line, right? <laughs> that That's the issue that... There's so much efficiency and cost-cutting in healthcare that that we know. I mean, you had a history of that. I I worked, yeah. yeah. And sadly, that's the crux of the problem because they're trying to – bleed every last grain of efficiency out of the day so these so these people are the hard you know doing the hard work and wonderful as they are they're not getting any care for them and obviously that then spills into patient care you know the service that they can provide is completely limited because if you're you know in a traumatic you know environment every day of your life. As Mira said, you're gonna bring it back to your work. It's gonna impact your friends and family. And every time you go back into that spiral, back into work, it's gonna denigrate the kind of care and attention and focus you can give to your patients as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean I don't want to get into that. I don't have the solution if I'm honest. It's there's no yeah. silver bullet. You know, it's it's a it's a massive topic to tackle that one, I think.
2: Yeah. yeah. And and I think one of the biggest things is that it is all um you know, if we care for ourselves, that's not related to work. So self-care is not part of work. And thank you, Stefan, for bringing that up, because this this, this really gets us into that, that, that self-care isn't part of the work. Self-care is something that you do or you don't do after work. You know, it's it's up to you. Uh, and I think it should be part of this definition in work, of work. And so... Um, And so it depends of where we work, depends of the organization or a job that we have. I think it's really important that it's incorporated in it.
0: And do you mean incorporate as in making it an accountability, you mean, as well? No, no,
2: no. Yeah, but it's part of work. It's part of your, you know, if we are going to work hours, it's part of your working hours. Yeah, but I I think that's
0: a good idea because if said line manager said, look, you know, great results team, but also I want to make sure that, you know, we're not working too many hours. I also want to make sure that as a team, how are we feeling? You know, if we're checking in, it goes back to this energy management, not just about managing time and blocks of time. It's like, how are you doing, team? How are you feeling emotionally? What's going on? And then also checking in in one-to-ones with each person, because as you know, we don't always feel safe in a crowd to say, actually, I don't feel good. I'm, so, yeah. I mean,
2: I'm, I'm just thinking of, and, and I it really triggered me now, if not for whatever reason, but okay. you were telling me, me about the person in your team some years ago okay. that uh, uh somebody from management came and said oh she's been a toilet she's been in a toilet too many mm. times today
0: yeah true story i mean really and, and that's the thing i mean my answer yeah. between the, the three of us, well was and, so and everybody I said, else yeah, listening and, and, I, and i said mira knows the story and i just <laughs> said <laughs> said line manager wow i'm just curious You've spent all that time monitoring someone's toilet habits. What have you been doing? (laughs) And they were utterly shocked. Yeah, and I obviously pushed back. I mean, to be fair, back then I was a little bit more, it wasn't as loving and maybe a little bit aggressive, if I'm honest. It could have been said in a more compassionate way, but I kind of said, look, I'm not going to waste time on that. I'm not going to go and have a conversation about how many times that person's gone the toilet. And actually, because I got curious about it and I had a beam about it, when I looked into it, the person actually had some health implications.
2: And to be fair,
0: the person had already made that clear to the team anyway. So, you know, the, the question I always ask is what makes sense for a manager to spend all that time and energy looking in that direction? And, you know, if you look at that as a team, as a company, I'm pretty sure you can create some solutions and efficiencies and resolve a lot of bottlenecks. Because if that's an issue, it simply means someone's not feeling safe. There's a bit of fear. And if it's making someone uncomfortable because they think that someone's taking liberties by hiding in the toilet, then, (laughs) you know, my honest opinion is... If that really is bugging you, just have an open conversation. But, but I'd have yeah. to guess that, you know, the starting point wouldn't be, why have you been going the toilet? Because that's not really going <laughs> to lead to any great results or, making some, no, but, or getting an honest answer, let's be honest. Yeah. But, but
2: that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, uh, humans. It, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's interesting, yeah, that, that even, you know, the basic stuff gets questioned instead of really instead of really allowing people to have
1: uh, a life, time,
2: uh, life <laughs> and, and time for self-care, that it's part of your work. You know, self-care is part of... I mean, I've seen when Peter and I started working together, especially in the beginning of COVID, I was a workaholic. Uh, I True story. For, me, for me, work was always doing something. And constantly thinking, oh, my God, I didn't do this and I didn't do this. And, and it's. Uh, it took me a while to understand that I bring more value. Stuff that I do has more impact. And I actually end up making much better results if I take more breaks, if I go for a walk, if I get up later maybe that day and start working later. So it, it was and some days i would you know get a perk of inspiration at 8 p.m. but it's it was really it really took me time for that to get to you know to become an insight for me that actually what i thought work is it was just load of ideas that yeah. i picked up over the time
0: let's well, say if our definition of work doesn't change from that then as as we've all pointed to stress burnout fatigue high sickness trauma it's all the things that companies are spending billions a year on trying to resolve it's all baked into that and it can't be separated and it's that's it it's just looking in that direction you know if we have high sickness if when we ask people do they feel safe they're like hell no i don't feel i've got flexibility Dare I say, that's a good starting point. And I know it's not easy because when you start to ask questions, oh, you get answers back, you get data. And then there's this whole thing, of, you know, what do we do with this mountain of data and how do we respond to said answers and stuff like that? So I know it's not easy, but having the courage as a leadership team, as a line manager to ask these questions, but also having the courage to say, I don't know, but I'll come back to you. That's a great Question you've raised, I'll find the answer, or let's work on the answer together. In fact, a lot of the companies that we've seen are really building great cultures. Are actually being honest and saying, look, we don't have the answers about mental health and burnout and and the way we work. Let's experiment, and then let's vote. And then obviously they're careful and saying we can't change everything, we can't give you free reign on everything, but let's work it out. And what comes out of that clunkiness and all of this exploration? dare I say, might be the new way of working. So, Diana De Saints, what about the Pomodoro. Pomodoro method? Not something I really know much about, if I'm honest. Cordelia,
1: Mira? As far as I'm aware, I think it's similar to what Mira was talking about earlier. This popular, I'm just looking it up, this popular time management method asks you to alternate Pomodoro's focus work sessions with mm-hmm. frequent short breaks to mm-hmm. promote sustained concentration and stay off mental fatigue. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, um, thank you for that question, Diane. Um, mm-hmm. I actually know didn't know how her. Was uh, yeah. it was called. For sure, yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: it works, <laughs> and it works too. And, and I think that everybody has to explore it for themselves. Uh, it's...
0: Um, but here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think... I, I I think that method's good if that's what it is. Then for sure, focused energy is short bursts. I don't know about you two, but I cannot focus for eight hours. If I it's say, impossible. I mean, I've just done an editing job for a client this morning, and it and it really pushed me over the edge because I it's not the client's fault. I went too far without taking a break. And I lost focus and I made some And you quite, start
2: making mistakes. Yeah,
0: I start making mistakes. And actually, that's what your team does. If we push them to work without taking proper breaks or without checking in and making sure that they have everything they need, they're well watered and well rested, <laughs> the wheels come off, you know. And uh, that costs money because if there's lots… You know, I'm not saying mistakes are not loud because there's learning in it. But if it's mistakes because of fatigue and a lack of focus, then that really does need to be addressed yeah, now.
2: Especially if you, you operate know. on somebody. But uh, <laughs> just, yeah. just 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 uh, quickly, Cordelia. Sorry. Uh, I think the other thing is really, but it's in it's more individual. It's uh, it's where are you more productive? Is it morning? Is it noontime? Is it afternoon? It's you know, and so, so I think this is where. Uh, this is also something that can be taken into consideration. And I
0: know there's limitations on shifts and what we can allow employees to do inside the company. But as Mira pointed to, it took us years to work it out, but my body had a certain rhythm. And like it or not, I'm productive at certain times. And it's actually the opposite of Mira. So that used to get in the way until we both accepted the fact that that's totally fine. And I know it's going to be challenging to accept every single want and need of every single employee. But again, if you can offer that flexibility, it's worth experimenting because that can yield amazing results. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think like a, a, a total system of well-being, like one thing um, that if, if we want to think about other methods that work, we, what do you call your own methodology that you use? I call mine replenish me, you know, Ah, and that works right as to the point about the healthcare workers and the hospitality people, right. You know, you you're constantly dealing with people. You want to be able to release that energy, that situation, you want to be able to, you know, restructure, get yourself back into order. And then, you know, refresh, you know, begin again, you know, with the do meditation, clear, clear your system Mm. and then get into it.
2: So, so. uh Whoa.
1: Definition of work may not have changed, but the way we work since COVID Mm, has changed a lot. Yeah. The expectations of employees shifted Mm -hmm. more flexibility, ability to work from home. But what I saw as well with my teams and with myself is that sometimes we have no clear in time. Mm. Yeah, that's an issue because we don't commit. We're at home all the time. So yeah. psychologically, it's hard to say to ourselves, stop, my work day is done. And so, yeah, this is, um, this is why the self-care, again, matters, you know, and understanding. We well,
0: you know this um, is why it matters for leaders to step in and say, actually, you've done a great job. Let's all log out and monitor that. Rather than monitoring, logging in, and clocking in, and see, you know, if you do the opposite, that's probably going to give you better results. So thank you for sharing that. That's really good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Cordelia, you were saying about uh, about the well-being and uh, in regards to that questions, were you?
1: Yeah, I mean, the other thing with uh, knowing that the workday is done is one of the, the methods that I I recommend is to, at the end of every hour, just set the alarm for Mm. the last five minutes. And that's your opportunity to, to get up, move and refresh and just do a body check and an energy check Mm. so that you will know that, you know, okay, I'm coming to the end of my energy. I'm coming to the end of the day. So I can't, um, Mm. you'll, this, this will help you be in your body and focus and connected it throughout the day. Mm. Um, and that's that's the way I had to do when I first started working from home. Yeah. You, you
2: know You know what's also one of the things that just crossed my mind. it's, it's this time for reflection after um, th- th- We often, I mean, our belief systems are different for, for all of us. Uh, but one thing that is like it's never enough. You know, I didn't, th- this is not enough. So, so it can be personal belief system that then if you're a manager or, or leader, you know, you transfer that or other people. Uh, and um, and so this, I think this is a huge amount of awareness that it's needed uh, for us to be able to see stuff like that. And for that, we really need reflection. As Peter said, reflection should be part of the work. Uh, and And to see... You know, do we monitor what we do, what we did during the day? And and there is often this idea that we didn't do enough, but actually we did. It's just that the belief system is over there, that it's not, it's pretty much deleting everything mm. that you've done so you don't see it.
0: You know what's useful to have these transparent conversations as a team? And if you're lucky enough to have a line manager that's willing to hold, as you pointed to before, Cordelia, hold space. You know, when we say that, you know, a lot of coaches say that, it's like, what the hell does that actually mean, right? (laughs) But what it means is just having the courage to have your your teams back and just allow people to discuss whatever they want to discuss, knowing that sometimes you might not have the answers. Sometimes you might not like what individuals might say, or you might not like the answers, or you might not know what to do with the information. But you'll get comfortable with it. And that's what will yield amazing results for your team. Because if you're if, the more you do that, the more people feel safe. No surprise, right? And the more that you'll find a way of working together that suits everyone. And where it doesn't work, guess what? You can check in with each other and say, hey, you know, I tried it. didn't work. Let's talk. You know, that's the way to do it. Because if we try and force our mental model, as Mira said, on, on everyone in your team, on the company, it's never going to fit. And people are always going to feel, you know, even if they don't understand why they're not feeling great, it's because they're being forced into a model that doesn't suit their needs and wants, it doesn't suit their lifestyle. You know, you could be a single parent, you Mm. could be a... uh, um,
2: A caregiver.
0: Yeah, you could be living on your own. You know, there's a myriad of different scenarios. And actually, how do we know what's going to fit each employee if we don't ask them and check in and find out what's going on? I I actually prefer knowing a little bit about each individual. As as you pointed to before, Cordelia, you don't have to say war and peace. But what I used to say (laughs) to my team is just, you know, tell me what you want. I'm not expecting, but should you want to share, you know, don't be shy. I'm quite happy to, you know... Listen, I've got you back, but also I don't need to know the far end of everything. If you're not yeah, comfortable you with context. sharing about it, I'm not. Ex- you know, you don't have to explain yourself
1: if that makes sense. It's like the true definition of an open door policy, mm. right? Because a lot of <laughs> managers will say yeah. that it's like we have an open door policy, and then you get in that door, and they'll be like, <laughs> yeah. "Why are you here?" <laughs> you
0: know? <laughs> yeah, you've got five seconds. What do you want? <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, it's it's yeah it's it's really interesting of uh, of you know what we can make up and how we can get scared and feel marginalized uh, and and unable to speak up and i think one of the things that that i kind of had in mind uh, uh, to say is that or open the the question for us and for for people that are listening uh what uh what can you do as an individual, as an employee, uh, if if you see that somebody is forcing something on you that, or you feel that it's being forced? Maybe it isn't, maybe you just feel, you know, it's, it's that something is being forced uh, on you in terms of work so for example we were mentioning earlier in a conversation you know it's 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 remote it's hybrid model it's all fine and then after two months oh but if you don't come to work there will be consequences how do you how do you start how do you raise because lots of people would not talk about it do it for a while and then burn out and change the job you know or change the job straight away <laughs> So how do we can, how can we actually do, can we do something about it as employees?
1: I mean, I would say get that in writing, you know, straight away from the beginning. So if, if the new agreement, like when you go back to work, oh, you can do this hybrid, whatever. And then two months later, they want to flip the script. Make sure you have a clause in there, you know, that says, um, and this agreement, you know, is good for whatever time period. Um, any changes have to be, um, given in writing with a certain amount of notice and, you know, under certain, you know, provisions, this is where you can be a stand for yourself and say, well, you know, um, okay, let's put this in writing and let's, let's, let's make sure that it's going to stay this way. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't think about that because they're just like, oh, you know, I already have a, uh, an employment contract you know, what What more would I have to add? But this is the time to really, and I'm not a lawyer, this is not legal advice, but just you mm. want to have things documented, mm. right? Mm. Um, because if you do need to get a lawyer, if you have nothing but, but he said or she said, you know, it's like, yeah, that doesn't work.
0: <laughs> well, legalities aside, I mean, I can only talk about European labor law. When companies say one thing and then it looks like they're doing the other, I mean, we've had a client go through this, so... We've seen it play out. And what, what actually works really well and what we've seen is that speak to your peers first, speak to your colleagues, get some alloys and build up some trust and safety. Because obviously, straight out the gate, you're not going to go clashing with the CEO or that. I mean, you can if you want, if you feel safe enough. but what's probably more pragmatic and you know you can go baby steps is speak to other people and say look I feel a bit ripped off here all of a sudden I was told I had full flexibility I find myself commuting three days a week what's going on not only is it costing me more but I'm drained I don't see my family blah 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 what's your I'm just saying like preventatively to get it in
1: writing you know what I mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah
0: Obviously, once you get the experience of others, then you can kind of say, okay, well, I've got a baseline of my team and the people around me and my immediate colleagues. Let's speak to my line manager first and just say, look, you know, this is what we're seeing. This is what I experienced. How do you feel about it? You know, and then you can obviously say, with honesty, say, well, it doesn't seem clear to me because we were communicated one thing a few months back. And it seems to have changed, but pointing back to what you said, Cody, it's not really in writing. So can we ask, you know, in a nice way for the leadership team to re-clarify what's our flexible working policy right now, does it still exist? And then it's having a conversation because what I've seen in many organizations is it turned into a war, sadly. In fact, one I used to work for where we were asking nicely, but it was seen like a call to action that um, there was going to be, you know, some problems. So rather than just having a normal conversation and going back and forth and finding out what's really going on, suddenly one, one particular team just shut down. And that be it the leadership team, and they just stop listening. And then they just come in, up with their own version of reality and pushed it on the employees. And, and it's really it can really simply get out of hand really quick. And the solution to that is again being open to listening, listening to understand. You know, because even the leadership team, they're human beings with needs and wants, they sometimes don't feel safe. So, you know, it's okay for them to make mistakes. So sometimes, as a set of employees, we need to be a little bit more loving rather than going to war and shouting at them and saying, "Look, you know, it's just not clear. Can we have more clarity and maybe a, a recommunication, and then everyone's on the same page?" You
1: know, yeah. They call that about. calling people in instead of calling people <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. This has really been a dynamic discussion. Thank you, Peter and Mira. I I, I love you, it. Like you. when. You know, we we uh, talk about these things because you know we It's one thing to read the articles and and work with our clients and everything, but then it's uh, just like, okay, but what is the answer to all this? And you know, what can we do to change things? So this is really great, and um, thank you, uh, Stefan and Diane, and I feel like there was somebody else here, Mavis, for for. Um, part of the conversation today um if you're watching on the replay just put replay and comments we will reply and if this is really resonated share this with your team listen to this with your team yeah. and see what you can do to change your definition of work
0: yeah i don't know about you two but it feels like we're going to have another conversation about this for sure right because it feels yeah. like it's, oh
1: no doubt yeah yeah <laughs> Especially, we should probably do like a healthcare segment, you know, kind (laughs) of thing, because there are some, you know, uh, jobs you just can't, you can't do it any other way, you Mm -hmm. know. Mm
2: -hmm. It's it's interesting, isn't it? And uh, I think people would argue why uh, there is not enough nurses, like there is not enough doctors. But the reason why there is not enough nurses is doctors, because the job is not really well paid and you really... You really work long hours, and you work night shifts, and it's a really hard job. And so, you know, if if we made it easier, and if we made it, you know, uh, uh, if we help people, then I, I I believe we would have much more. <laughs>
0: well, the funny nurses. thing is, if you measure, like you know, the service in terms of patients, you know, and I know hospitals and healthcare systems do, but there's a direct coloration when we were looking mm-hmm. at it. Between if a doctor and a nurse is burnt out and the healthcare workers are super stressed, and and it directly correlates to how the care level suddenly drops and mistakes are made
1: and probably and the mortality negligence. of the patients. Yeah,
2: it is. It is, it is. especially <laughs> yeah. in America. This is really yeah. important because you have lots of lawsuits over there, and they say I've I've, I've read uh, uh, some stuff about. Uh, about this specifically years ago uh, when I was working in, in healthcare and, uh, and it says that doctor who has good relationship and spend good amount of time with their patients, even if they make a mistake, they're less likely to be sued and called out for their mistake because they, their patients feel safe with them. And, and if you're yeah. tired, burned out, if you spend only five minutes with your patients, Uh, obviously that relationship is not developed so yeah there's loads there is loads there so uh, thank you all for chipping in yeah thank you for uh, watching and listening we appreciate for the uh, interesting topics of discussion
1: all right well um i guess bye for now until next month um and we'll reveal the uh topic later thank
0: you for listening (laughs) to this episode Unlearning Labels is about talking the walk of I see you, I hear you, and I value you. If you found these conversations insightful and useful, please share them with others and sign up for our newsletter at unlearninglabels.com.